Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Rudy and Jules. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Nice to see you both. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. Thank you, Jason. (laughs) Yeah, it's been, I've kind of thought of us having a conversation for a long time, but it's just never happened before. So I'm I, glad we finally get to do this. I know, I know it has been in the works for quite a while. And we I'm so grateful that you reached out to us. Yeah, we too. really appreciate that. It's just this conversation is so important. And um, being somebody who's experienced crippling, you know, debilitating uh effects from I didn't know what you know being a nurse getting my master's in nursing and sitting for MCATs they didn't teach it they don't teach this 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 conversation that needs to be addressed and opened up to that there's so much more going on in this beautiful being of ours it's um yeah so I'm so grateful I like to call it it's almost like a biopsychological approach yeah that makes sense yeah I, I wonder sometimes if conversations happen when they're meant to you know because my own evolution of understanding has been evolving you know it's like and and it's uh and I certainly spent a few years I guess this is where we could start I certainly spent a few years asking myself these questions. Is it the body? Is it the mind? Is it both? Does one affect the other? Does the other affect the other? It's like, and having those, and been in that uh, state of um, disillusionment myself with curiosity and wonder because of my own personal trauma, my own personal experience. And I guess uh, what happened, like like, not all of it, but part of my journey was in the 12 steps. And I spent 20 mm-hmm. years saying I'm an addict and I'm broken and I'm damaged and I've got all these things and, and I need to come to meetings to be okay. Um, so I was kind of indoctrinated into a new belief system to find my well-being, which didn't work, you know. And then when I found the three principles, it took me a few years to realize, oh, I've been indoctrinated into another belief system. <laughs> that uh, yeah. and, and my discernment was more sharper at that point because of what had happened with the 12 steps. So I started mm-hmm. to, I mean, a, a relationship in my life was the key to me starting to be much more curious about the body and trauma again, because I, I guess while I wasn't in, I wasn't being loved by somebody because that was my, the threat to me, you know, was being loved was such yeah. a threat when my body started really um, wanting to run away and withdraw and hide, yeah. you know, um, I wasn't in a relationship like that. So my life was quite blissful after finding the three principles for a little while. And then this relationship came along and I was like thinking, what's, what's happening? You know, it's like, I just want to withdraw. I want to hide my body's frozen. It's stiff. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, 
I'm having these reactions to being loved, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. loving me, somebody being playful with me, somebody being joyful with me, my body would just freeze up. And and I was just thinking, well, and I was asked, because I was in the three principles, I was saying, well, this is what's happening. And somebody was saying to me, well, it's just memory. It's just thought. It's just memory. It's just thought. And I was going, I just asked myself this question one day. I said, does it really matter? Does it, because it's happening, you know, it just keeps happening. And it's like, and this, this, the comments that I were getting were not answering the questions that I had, you know, it was like, I was still left with these uh, triggers, these reactions, my body being frozen to the stimulus, which was my relationship at the time. So um, I became very curious and started doing somatic investigations through different means through uh, Peter Levine somatic experiencing through killer bee inquiries, which is a non dual based similar to somatic experiencing questioning the contractions and sensations of the body. And body. Yeah. And um, what else was I doing the IFS, I started doing IFS, a lot of Mm -hmm. IFS stuff, which is a similar speaking to parts, you know, which are thoughts, feelings and sensations Mm -hmm. of the body, you know, and I found in these investigations that my body was holding a lot of beliefs, you know, just just through a contraction, I could like talk to a part like my chest, like I could relive a memory, bring it up, found, got my body really calm, relive a memory, found my chest tightening as I talk about this memory, and then ask questions to this part of my body, like, what are you here for? I'm here for protection. What are you protecting me from? I'm protecting, I'm keeping you safe. From what? You know, it's kind of like, from being rejected, from vulnerability, from safety, and all this pain would pour out, you know, this emotion and experience, just through questioning a tightness in the chest. That's all mm-hmm. I was doing. Yeah. There was no thought, right. there was no creation, there was no belief, right. no idea. There was nothing going on in my mind. I was just curious about the tightness in my chest, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's how I really came to being, uh, including the, in fact, I would say that I go to the body more often now in my work than than I do in the in the mind. I still think mm-hmm. the spiritual conversation is really important because otherwise we're kind of coming from a place where we're flawed, broken, damaged, and I, I'm adding another label to your list of flawed identity that you think you are. And I don't want that for people. I want people to come from a grounded place, from a place of awareness, knowing their true self and be willing to look at these contractions and sensations in the body and see what's really going on, but it not be another rabbit hole, you know? Right. So that's, Absolutely. That's, kind of, that's where I've got to. And I'd love to hear how you, cause I know you guys came from, uh, I know Rudy, you came from three P community, which is a spiritual community teaching a, uh, a mind based understanding of experience. And Jules, I don't know so much if you came. No, I, I was a very cognitive centric human being uh, that came from a very like medical background and what they teach currently in, in the medical, I'm a psych nurse. Um, however, I had a spiritual experience mm-hmm. that will do it. <laughs> in 2014. Yeah. Um, I had a sudden cardiac arrest and what I saw, it was like instant. Everything made sense, but coming back, to articulate that full, 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 full vision in my being. But yet when I go to speak, it's very stumbly. And then that's when I met Rudy, who's a a master facilitator. But, um, but it, 
so I started out seeing energy and the way the energy moves from bottom to top. And I could communicate with these beautiful humans and, and help them recognize and get in touch with that energy that's being held in the body. And then their energy would become, I call it harmonic movement. Mm -hmm. I don't even like the, 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 the word homeostasis because stasis is still static. Yeah. It's where everything moves, nothing rests. So I call it harmonic movement and recognizing that with your loving awareness. And that's in the loving awareness and being aware wherever you place your awareness, you can, your energy can, can sit with it. Mm. And, and I work with people now after I have the words and working closely with Dr. Porges and, and his team, um, it's the way I, I address it is, is you speak to this, this energy like it's like it's a child and if they don't have children i use like a small animal mm -hmm. you know with this loving awareness that is what the these deep encoded implicit memory the physiology is attempting to keep us safe heroically saving our lives when there isn't a perceived danger cognitively but the body speaks differently and if we could recognize that with the beautiful loving awareness and and allow these subtle messages that are always being sent to us to be heard and moved and integrated we could help so many people mm. we could help so many people that are hurting well, like how did you how did like you rudy you maybe more like come from that place of being the three principles facilitator and kind of seeing more like including the body did it feel conflicting at first or was there something that was just obvious to you i'm just curious about how that came about good question well i had a what you could term a oneness experience when i was 20 and it blew my mind open to all manner of possibilities trying to find a way to articulate it eventually came across three principles or okay this is a vehicle for me to articulate this but the more I got into it, the more, the further away from my initial experience was becoming because it became more spirit. It, I was talking more about the mind and thinking than the spiritual essence of life. Mm. And so anyway, like, like yourself, I eventually jumped out of that community and kind of found myself again, so to speak. But um, I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't have a lot of awareness of my body, my body's, you know, somatic literacy, what the body's telling you, that communing with the body until I met Jules um, and listened to Dr. Stephen Porges, the polyvagal theory, and it started making more and more sense to me. But um, to be completely transparent, Jason, I was a little bit conditioned in the three principles and it took me a while to break out of that conditioning to start seeing deeper and fresher and differently. So I was on the slow bus and it took me a while to really go, wow, the body, there is so much in all manner of, I've studied all manner of different coaching and, and modalities, but the body is really missing in a lot of understandings mm. and a little bit like you were saying at the start jason um we're not body centric and that like all experiences do with the body and we're not 
spiritual centric which completely bypasses the body mm. there's this wholeness yeah in the middle and in and embracing both of them as wholly true right that we are spiritual beings in a physical body and we're both concurrently like matter and energy are one thing like we're both concurrently so i think for me understanding and actually not just me with our clients with our oh, yeah. students because we run an accredited training company now that we've included the body in our one-to-ones with them in our teaching with them we have never had such profound long-lasting deep results as we've had including the body in our spiritual nature yeah yeah i would say that's true too i think with a including the body i mean i think it's worth talking for a minute just about that conditioning that you said because i think it's that's where yeah. the resistance to people from people or in the spiritual conversation comes like we think when you start to mention the body they say well what do you mean the body it's just all thought isn't it you know it's like they're, they're somewhat mm. dissociated you know i i use this i'm just signaling my hand like around my head because it seems like you ask them any question where do you experience this it's here everything is here you know everything <laughs> happens in the head and i'm like well where yeah. do you feel in your body oh what, what do you mean i don't feel anything in my body it's completely dissociated and um, I think you've maybe mentioned it before on one of your webinars, but it, it says in the book, the body keeps the score about, um, you know, the the ability of the body to create enough morphine like experience, you know, that you can completely live in a numbed out state, you know, with your body being in a in a state of completely um, numbness, you know, it's like, so you don't experience anything. And I think for many people that have suffered, they've um, loved this idea that they don't have to feel. They've gone into the mind, they've got this spiritual-based conversation. Some of the suffering has dissipated through realization, through true nature awareness. Yet, when when you ask them to step into the body, that's a big challenge, you know? And also, that conditioning of the mind is like, is conflicting. I think, like you said, you was on the slow bus. I was, I went through a while of going shit that's more conditioning that's not real i'm just repeating stuff i've heard here that's not i don't actually know if it's true i'm saying things like all people's experiences created out of thought how could i possibly know what all people's experiences you know it's yeah. like and i started catching myself in all these things and, and that like because of my love of truth and my desire for healing and and to be of service to people i thought i can't keep saying these things i felt like conflicted so i started to notice all this conditioning and and just being willing to be honest with myself was what allowed me to see a lot of that and to really then investigate the body from a curious place you know versus a dogmatic kind of experience of spiritual stuff and things you know i think so I don't know anyone listening to this. Sometimes you can be in something quite dogmatic completely without realizing just innocently you, you don't know. Mm. So one of the ways of knowing is, are you open to seeing something that you don't know? Do you deny or vilify or react to people with a different belief system than you? I mean, these are all these are all questions we can ask ourselves when someone has a different understanding of the body or our spiritual nature or how the mind works, whatever it is. Are we able to listen or are we just denying it? 
So these questions tell us, are we being dogmatic or are we being open-minded? In my mind, open-mindedness doesn't have a lot to do with what you believe, but being able to change, being open to changing what you believe. And that openness is literally a gateway to God. People may not like that word. My version of God is a gateway to this universal mind, this essence. Because if you look up, look to the truths of the universe, they, they can't be contained in human thought. They're, they're before anything you can think, and they're totally wordless. And But at the same time, that essence is allowing us to breathe. And I think for us, and I've learned this from, from Jules, um, including my body has been a complete life changer for me and our clients. And, you know, I can go into my body like that tightness in the chest or maybe the, the density in the tummy, however, it, however those sensations arise and communing with that gives us information and being able to, as Jill says, place a loving awareness and commune with your body, it's just the most one of the most consciousness expanding things you can do. And anyone who's anti-body, you know, the body's just physical, so it's not as true as our spiritual nature, that's splitting the wholeness in half. Right. Your, what's your quote about the medium between heaven and earth or something? Oh, well, the body is this, the body is the bridge between the form and formless. Beautiful. It, say, say that again. I love that quote. The body is the bridge between the form and formless. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a, I can't, I don't know the electrical term. It's like a conduit, you know, it's the instrument of consciousness. Yeah. There's so much. And, and Dr. Porges, I, I, he's still my friend. I told him all the woo-woo stuff but he added a science to it we have neuroception you know and then the author that you were speaking of dr bessel van is now one of the board members for polyvagal theory that gabor Matei is a board member uh peter levine is a board member so they're all on this on this amazing team mm. but we have neuroreceptors in our physical body before it even reaches our brain that sends and receives information in our outside world that's filtered and it it's through something called interoception and then that it rises up to perception he told me to quit saying perception because it's there's too much intentionality to it you know that's where i blamed myself and a lot of people blame themselves for feeling low it's the way I'm perceiving the world, but there's so much more going on prior to that. And yeah, so it's it's this beautiful divine consciousness, humany. It's this intuitive essence, this God humany. And yeah. We're both concurrently. Yeah. No body, no experience you're just energy floating in the vacuum right. of all things like there has to be a groundness there has to be a body for that essence to express itself back at itself no body no experience right. so to exclude the body in any of your philosophy or spirituality around the nature of life the human experience is um is missing a big part of the whole yeah. <laughs> what I saw, I saw this beautiful divine essence, this everything that ever was and ever will be. 
in its holality, but it was it was unified and almost assimilated. So there was everything that ever was and ever will be, but no experience. So it moves and polarizes and expresses, and I use my hand, and as each expression extends out, that offers the gift of the human experience. That offers a platform, a perspective, a unique perspective. I mean, it's you can say there's no human experience, but you have to be having a human experience in order to say there's no human experience. And 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 I, and when I saw that, I stopped fearing my human experience and honoring it, and and that lifted so much and. And from there, I knew I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people, anybody that's hurting. There's so many people hurting. Yeah. I just, I want nothing more than to just help them understand all that they are. Help them understand their whole self and what it means to be human. Mm. What, like, what do you guys see about, like, if somebody is still suffering, um, like perhaps they've never come across the three principles non-duality. They're just kind of suffering, you know, in that stuff. And perhaps they haven't seen that life is happening inside of them, not outside of them yet. You know, do you see like a, which way do you see is bottom up, top down is kind of like, or kind of is use is the best way? Because I'm curious, like, I think that for me, I found that helping people see that experience is happening inside of them first is the best place to go. Because if I go straight to the body and start talking about trauma, it just becomes another rabbit hole for them to go down of a mm. long list of ailments that they've been diagnosed with or given in the past. Bearing in mind, I work with a lot of people that have had years of mental health struggles and addictions like I had. Um, so I'm curious how you guys see that. Do you think that's the most important thing to see first or you, or you sometimes just go straight to a somatic work if you was working with somebody like that? How, how do you approach that? I see, I take no more than two people per year and um, I have a minimum of six, sometimes 10 sessions and that's it. And then the way we have our facilitator training is we begin with the essence. We begin with the essence. They're this beautiful, they're, they're consciousness humaning. You know, the only thing true, I say, about true nature is nature. Nature ebbs and flows. There's this movement, this intrinsic movement that begins before birth in the oocyte, in the, in the zygote. And I start there. We start there getting familiar with, yes, there is an ebb and flow. Yes, there is a movement. And then from there, it, it, that just that in itself, just that in itself softens their experience. They begin to recognize that we don't jump into that quite away. Quite, we I think we jump into that with a facilitator training on the third month. Yeah. So um, because we predominantly do one to ones with our facilitator students, we'll introduce them to the expansive oneness behind life, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Once they kind of realize that they're spiritual beings, yeah. um, they can have beliefs or perceptions that they're broken. Um, that's okay. You're still not going to be able to break something that is formless. Mm. 
Um, then we introduce them to the body and how it's, you know, how we work from inside. But if I was seeing, but we've got the liberty of working with them over six months. Oh, now, but the three. If yeah. a client comes to us, as to where we go first will be completely dependent on feedback from where the client is. So I don't know if I'll know what the best, I'm not really offering a formula to what to do with them and where to go first. It's very in the moment, depending on who we're seeing mm. and what intuitively comes up right. and where to start. Yeah. But I know, you know, and we don't, with our one-to-ones with non-students, I mean, we we have like a minimum of six because mm-hmm. it takes a while to I call it holalitize and name yeah. <laughs> name our, our book's called holality so we 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 coined the term we holalitize people to unify the body and mind and spirit as one mm-hmm. and once they're on board with that they can then go into the the trauma the grip the pain within them right. but they've got the revelation of knowing that they're also connected and more than that absolutely absolutely yeah what do you what would you say is like i guess as as you've had experience i'm asking you about clients but i know you're primarily just teaching and and uh, training people but like what's your experience of the difference you know it's like what it was like before when you didn't include the body versus now like how, how how does it look different to you guys and what do you notice different about other people you can speak to that, Rudy. So before, because before we train facilitators, I mean, I've been studying NLP and hypnotherapy and counselling and psychology and blah, 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 since I was 20. That's like 30 years now. Um, so I've had lots of clients go through from all manner of things, depression, anxiety, bulimia, just really across the board. So what I've noticed before, including the body, is that I would have clients, some would do great, others, there was just these blocks I couldn't get through, others who would seemingly have a shift and regress. So generally, people got benefit, but sometimes it's pretty hard going, and some clients I just couldn't get any leeway with at all. Mm. Now, including the body, um, I mean, I don't even say this, but okay, so clients who are open to learning because not all of them are even though they come to you that they're still not really open so the clients who are open every single one of them has had a profound permanent lifelong shift Mm. and these are the ones who may have had the most trauma stored in the body the clients who come to us and want to change but they're unwilling to change and want to listen but they're not really listening again we only get so far with them there has to be like i've i've done work with with jail inmates and prison inmates those guys are so ripe guys and girls um those guys and girls are so ripe for tra- transformation because they get so humbled mm. and there's nothing that i've ever found that opens people to change more than being humbled mm. a lot of the issues people have in life is they're too damn comfortable and there's this inability to shift their belief systems but when life smacks you in the face when you're humbled when you're on your knees by certain things happening whether it's breakup of a marriage a health issue whatever it is 
those kinds of physical reshuffling of one's life, although, yes, it's incredibly challenging and difficult, but at the same time, it's this potential vortex of spirituality for people to embrace and extend much further because of that experience. (laughs) Beautiful, Rudy. And relationships bring grit, as you were speaking to. (laughs) Yes. I, I call that beaten into a state of reasonableness. That's what I <laughs> that's my yeah. saying for it. Life, life has a way of beating you into a state of reasonableness. You know, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> and it's it's true, isn't it? It's the same with with a lot of my even for years of my work with addictions. You know, the time when people would would have a chance is when they've just lost all hope, when they've given up, when life has yeah. beaten them into a state of reasonableness through prisons, uh, psychiatric interventions, institutions, relationship ending, homelessness, you know, all those reasons when people have, when people have been on self-destruct for a period of time, you know, it has this way. And um, I think what I know is, I'm curious if you see the same, is that like, people have have suffered from a different level of adversity, you know, in the body. It's like the amount of whether they've had particularly like tragic or violent events or something like that. And then long-term um you know lack of loving lack of nurturing criticism shaming and so on you know like i guess what Bessel would call small t big t traumas you know people everyone's very different with that you know the amount of adversity that they've absorbed based is on like the the level of um tension and contraction that happens and shows up you know do you see that the same way yeah it's it's a violation of trust and sometimes there's too much or too little, uh, too little repair. So it's a violation of trust. And it could be in even in utero. The in, That's the first line of communication. And then you're born into this highly, uh, to- I'll say toxic, but there's an elevated cortisol in the, in the family. Yeah. And, and without repair. That's where, you know, there isn't the nurturing. So there's a violation trust without repair. Mm. And so in each and every expression that comes to us is is unique in their own way. Some people have gone through it, but somewhere along the line, there's been a repair. And some people have gone through something probably, if we could look at it and describe it, um, we would say that isn't as, you know, or Bessel would say a little T. But still, the body responds in a different way because there isn't the repair there. There wasn't the repair along the line. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you're just living in a constant state of of level of adversity, you know? And it's like, and there's no there's no nurturing or there's no safety anywhere with anyone, you know? So in a way the body is consistently absorbing some level of cortisol or norepinephrine Mm -hmm. depending on what your level of adversity is. And you just have to absorb and cope with and find a way to be in that, you know? And it's like, and those, as we say in IFS parts, like um, thoughts, feelings, and sensations stay at the same age as when they were created, you know? So those reactions that I have to my relationship when it showed up were like me being five years old, even though I was nearly 50 years old, you know? it's So I was still feeling like there was still a part of me that was a vulnerable little boy that felt very insecure and very unsafe around being loved because it seemed to me that when you loved somebody, they left you because my dad went out and he was killed. You know, yeah. so that was my, my experience of trauma as a child. And then 
plenty of other things as well, but that was the big T event, you know, it's like, so I didn't know that my body was then withdrawing, running away, freezing in the face of love, you know, when somebody was showing right. love to me, it was like, I didn't realize that it was um, re-triggering my, you know, a body into like, oh, you're just about to be rejected, you know, you, if you really let somebody love you, you know, it's kind of like, it's going to be tragic and traumatic, it's going to be cosmic, you know, and it was so yeah. powerful in me that I would just keep withdrawing and running away from my relationship and withdrawing and not, because I didn't know what was happening, you know, until I became, right. absolutely, until I came willing to go, until I became willing to be vulnerable, you know, then when somebody loved me, I just would start crying, you know, I would just, yeah, couldn't help it. it was just somebody would my, 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 Elena would just look at me and I would tears would come to my eyes and I would just stand there just crying not even knowing why you know because there was such a vulnerable Beautiful. part of me that felt unsafe you know yeah that's your body heroically attempting to keep you safe there's so much that goes on so so that event occurred anytime your body senses a familiar energy neuroceptively there are pathways anatomical muscular skeletal physiological pathways in your body that shut down that's where you get that mm -hmm. sensation of of you know, shutting down or freezing. That's where you get the sensation of being separated from your body. There are so many little pathways and, and, and even in the heart, the, I can't remember the, the thoracic, the muscles around the heart actually close. They tighten mm -hmm. in a protection mechanism and it's the energy, the neuroceptive receptively received energy that is, is that you're nervous system is sensing in the environment and that can be a really scary sensation in your body you know it releases cortisol it, it but what i try to do is remind people that their body is heroically keeping them safe mm. it's a it's an attempt to keep you safe it's an attempt to protect whatever happened you know in that in that adverse occasion in your history and um, there's a, there is a, there is a, there is a part there. Absolutely. But we take it one step further and reverse engineer deep into the physiology because sometimes looking at the part can, can tr be triggering, you know, asking the part, what is it trying to tell you can be triggering. And so that's why I call it a biopsychological approach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I liked what you said earlier. I think you said about them being like children, you know, or something to the words yeah. to that effect. It's like what I, I often say to clients, you know, when there's because I guess what we do is we develop an attitude of condemnation towards parts like, oh, I've got this anxiety and I'm sick of it. I just want it to stop right. or I'm, my Absolutely. body's always frozen. I'm so sick of it. I wish I couldn't do it. So there's this attitude of condemnation towards protection mechanisms that have been keeping us safe our whole life. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I try and say, like you said, imagine a small child, uh, you know, inside of you. And it's like, if you can adopt an attitude of curiosity towards that part of yourself, because how we question that and how we speak to that part, uh, it's like, you know, like the willingness to open versus holding tight, you know. And when we adopt that attitude of curiosity towards those protection parts of us, you know, we have much more of a of an opportunity to see what they're here for because hating on them doesn't work. You know, you can't shoot right. away from A to B. It just doesn't work that way as I've seen it. Right. Absolutely. Because the, it's the transversus thoracis, the muscles around the heart. So when you have a, a sensation of, or an emotion of hate, 
the transversus thoracis muscles are closed. But when you offer a curious space that opens the right brain and gently the transversus thoracis muscles begin to soften, your heart opens. It's a bit like, and you know, um, my my past is a, a pleasure cruise compared to probably a lot of people who who may be watching, uh, listening to this. But, you know, I had when I was growing up, there was alcoholism, violence, um, mental health issues. Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on as I was growing up, you know, a lot of violence and things. So anyway, although that isn't happening now, so in linear time, it's not present. Mm. It is still very present. Okay, well, it was, but let's just say it's still very present in my body you know, whoever's listening, whatever they've been through, although that has passed, it's still present in the body. So the body will take something, a trauma, say when you're 10, and it's not as if there's like a trauma part in your body, but there's an energetic signature. The body is spiritual energy. Energy holds information. <laughs> so the body, although it looks material, thankfully, so I can, you know, pick things up, there is an energetic signature of the past presently in the body. So for me, what that looked like is up until recently, and still now to be transparent to a degree, I've been on high alert, meaning that I had to survive when I was a kid. I had to feel the room and I had to try and avoid my parents, avoid, you know, the, the violence. Um, so I got very sensitive to the physical environment. I was on high alert, you know, when you see those animals in nature, they're, they're looking around for predators and their ears are up. It's kind of like this high alert, this highly anxious state. Now, because that has passed, but it is very present in the body, I retained that high alert state way after I left all of that poisonous environment and jason i didn't even know i was doing that up until i met jules and jules started including the body and i was like oh my god i've been on high alert all of my life i find it found it very difficult to relax i did not like going into public places in case there was aggression mm. um i kind of had to meditate to try and calm myself down because i could get so anxious and when I was an athlete, I kept messing things up because I was in this overly anxious state. So although it's gone, it is still present. And I don't care how enlightened somebody mm -hmm. is. I don't care how many oneness experiences that they have. Unless you go into the body and start that communion, it is still present in the body. Right. In my life, I've traveled all over the world, Himalayas, India, blah, blah, blah. I've met supposedly three enlightened people. All of them displayed trauma, automatic reactions, and they had health issues in my mind to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And then it's compartmentalized by the medical, all the health issues. Yeah. I think that. I talked about the high HSP, highly sensitive people, you know, 
recently to someone about as a trauma response you know it makes sense right that you become highly sensitive to for your own safety you know it's kind of like yeah you just made me think of a story you know i was in jail and um what they used to do was at night they used to tie a bed sheet together and they used to throw lines along and you used to pass it on i used to put your arm out and this guy said to me he said can you put your arm out i want to throw a line to you you know it's kind of like that And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. You know, throw it. I'll catch it. Just thinking, and I'll see the line and I would catch it. And he said to me, no, put your arm out. And there's something in my high sensitivity that felt not sure about this, you know, like uncertain. And I put my arm out for a second and I took it in again. And as I did, a huge battery in a sock, in like a sock tied onto the end of the line flew past. So the guy tried to break my arm, you know, out the window, but I just moved it out of the way as it came past. So just a little example of my own tuning into my sensitivity, you know, it's kind of like, just in, like, like you said, an animal, you know, when you see a deer from 300 paces and it can sense a, a change in atmospheric pressure, like two miles away and it just <laughs> runs off, you know, it's like yeah. that, that um, high level of sensitivity, you know, and how you kind of become so attuned to your environment just because of your safety, just to keep safe, you know? Right. Beautiful. Yeah, so from a survival mechanism, it's fantastic. But then I want, you end up in relationships. Yeah, <laughs> I want to share something that um, Hoality is going back into the to the jails now. But we're we're um, one of the anatomical features that changes when you have a lots of adverse. Uh, adversity in your, in your growing up or any time is the tympanic membrane of the ear. It changes shape to pick up higher frequency or lower frequent frequency information and energy in the, in, 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 in the environment, but it also picks up a distressing sound. So your body is at high alert. Your tympanic membrane is recognizing the prosticity or the prosody of a voice that could be at risk. It recognizes the voice that you're listening to. Don't trust it. You know, this person isn't trustworthy. And that could be at play. It's There's uh, so much amazing things that your physical body does to protect you. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that 99.9% of everybody in prison is on high alert and has these mechanisms, you know, survival mechanisms out in full force. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes absolute sense for sure. Yeah. What was you going to say, Rudy, about relationships? Because it's definitely been that highly <laughs> sensitive thing has definitely been a thing for me in my relationship, a, a, a detrimental thing, I would say, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, th there's... There's different regions. So the, these affects, there's different regions. So like I'm now really quite empathic or intuitive. I can very much sense things because it was a survival mechanism and that's taken that with me. So that's really good. Like you were talking about, Jason, about the battery, that's your empathic or your intuitive sensitivity that's been ramped up as a response to having to be in survival. However, um, the downside of that is, is, when you're by yourself, I mean, you can, you know, you're going to have to cope with your own headspace or your own sensations. But when you're with somebody else, that's reflected back at you and you, you can't avoid it. So in my relationship with Jules, um, 
I've had stuff that I just instantly react from without even thinking about it. I think about it later, but there's this automatic reaction, automatic defense, automatic taking things personally, um, automatic anger. It just happens so instantaneously. And with Jules, I mean, you've had my worst background than I had, maybe not when you were younger, like you were a child, but you've had a lot of stuff happen to you since then and when you were a child. Yeah. So you've got oh yeah. You've got stuff. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, um we've both had to be honest and work through our stuff. Like we both had to go into our bodies and Jules, you don't have to no, it's okay. give any details, but you were carrying something with so now Jules I want to put this in context. Jules had a near-death experience. She saw the formless nature of life. She was in this bliss state for a long time. However, there was still crap going in the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. I and you had something with you that was creating grit in our relationship up until recently that you didn't see in Till you saw it and you've been working with it right. from a bodily level just 10 days ago absolutely yeah. and, and it, i mean there's all there was a lot but you can have this insight and and so but you can have an insight but until you integrate that yes we call that whole really, whole site whole site <laughs> <laughs> until you integrate that into your physical being and with all of this you know encoded messages that are happening in this exquisite body of ours it's um it's gonna arise it's gonna arise it's happening insights happen in no time no space no matter but we live in space time and matter Mm. so we have to integrate that into our physical being and sometimes it's so elusive and it can cause so many issues with um with my beautiful husband and saying oh just change your language saying that oh it's just your thinking saying oh it's all so superficial like the 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 reason we were having grit and still do now and again, the root cause is that very present. You call it exchange, the, the trauma exchange. Mm-hmm. The, the, the event has happened, right? but it's still presently in our bodies. There's a protection. And we're reacting yeah. from that. And then the guard, the, you know, you, you anyway, you, you, you're good at talking about <laughs> that stuff. Oh, I just call it this trauma exchange. There's the adverse situation and then your body exchanges that for a response or for a sensation and impulse. And sometimes if that sensation and impulse has been um, nurtured or repaired, you're still going to, you're still going to have the the neural groove. You can still notice that sensation, but it won't be as powerful and it doesn't take over your life. Yes. But sometimes when it's coupled with shame, because something happened to me when I was nine that I didn't really remember and it was coupled with shame. So the shame pushed it down. And any time there was a bit of romance more recently with my husband, that would arise. And I, I would change the subject or I would go into a hyper work mode or, you know, I became a workaholic and, and tell Rudy that we have no time for romance until about 10 days ago when it came up and I shared it with him and I worked through it and I shared it with my students and I'm going to get write it into this book I'm writing, but it's, it's sometimes it's so powerful and, but yet so elusive. Yes. Like a slippery fish. Like 
and it's it's there and then it's not and you're reacting already yeah. from that space from that neural groove that is so powerful this encoded protection that's deep in your body it's it you don't have time to think about it you don't have time to you know it's before belief but it was it wasn't a very nice thing and we spoke about this issue a lot and you know very calmly and everything but it never went anywhere oh. because you're completely oblivious right. to and it until you were it was only like in the last couple of years yeah and i think my perspective is that in the last couple of years we jumped into um the business full force so there's already a heightened state of cortisol in my body and so anything that could be perceived as a nursed as a potential danger you know anything my body's going to react mm -hmm. and i was um i was sexually violated when i was nine but i didn't cognitively remember that until i communed like you said asking what is going on yeah and i actually protected myself in my imagination i it, it just arose there was no thinking around it it was just this I protected myself. I went back and I protected this little nine-year-old little girl in a, in a time where I couldn't protect myself. Yeah. And so that moved through, that integrated, that, that offered a repair of something that has been screaming at me for such a long time. And now that, that issue that's been present since we got together, it's just not there anymore. Um, but the thing is, is, the, you know, your, your term, the loving awareness. Yeah. It's not that we, Jules was looking, it's not that you're identifying with the past or blaming the past. There's this loving awareness placed within the body and the body gives information. And then you, without wanting to fix or heal or change or vilify any parts of ourselves, we have this loving awareness for all of ourselves. That's why we don't say the term true self or true nature. We call it our whole self, our whole nature, wholly embracing every single aspect of all of us right. with loving awareness. Right. It's like you were saying, Jason, you can't you didn't use this word, but browbeat yourself into change. There, there has to be love. Mm. So I, I guess for us, wholly loving all of ourselves, we embrace all of those gritty, pointy, sharp parts of ourselves with love. And then these lifelong issues or problems that often come up when you're in a relationship, they're integrated and loved and they don't, really arise anymore or if they do they they lose their sting yeah it just was so fascinating because we could talk about it and i go wow that's this is so after you realized it we yeah. could talk about it i yeah. could anatomically i could feel the muscles relax yeah. physiologically i could feel a safer space a more um a more peaceful space you know energetically it was safer and it just created so much healing for us yeah i didn't know i was going to share that thanks rudy i think that's beautiful because what you share is like an experiential journey you've personally been on of healing something and so it lets people that are listening really see like what the purpose of this whole conversation is you know what does healing look like you know and how do we 
um, heal from these reactions, responses, contractions that happen instantaneously in response to life's stimulus, you know. And you, and when I was listening to you, I thought, you know, it, sometimes I sometimes I think, you know, you, you don't even see how much is going on. Like often your whole life, your job choice, your where you live, your partner, everything is to do with the body's, you know, like response to adversity. Okay. But you just can't even see it. And, and that's what made yeah. me think when you were talking about not being able to see it until it shows itself. You know, it's like yeah. we don't know how unconsciously we're completely controlled into doing all these things based on what we experience because i think from from our i think we're probably all the similar gen same generation like from our generation of, of of upbringing you know there was you know like now there's more understanding of this stuff right but like 50, 40, yeah. 50 years ago there was no real communication there was no internet there was no talking about this you know it was just wasn't a thing you know so i feel like um, this generation now are kind of starting to notice how all this stuff has been steered, you know, and, and, and how we've all been affected by those experiences. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What I know for sure is that it's been attempting to show itself subtly mm -hmm. throughout my entire life. I see now that I've been carrying it for many, many, many years, decades. So is a decade a 10 year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a decade. Yeah. yeah. So, and you have to be willing, right? When it shows itself, it's kind of like you have to be willing enough to go, what is what is this? You know, like like you said, it's very easy to go, oh, I'm just busy at the moment. I've got no time for this. Or just yeah. to take the the um, habitual oh, right. yeah. response of avoidance, you know, that you've always been doing as a form of safety, right? Yeah. I want to rant quickly, if that's okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's my rant. Um, spirituality, misunderstood, can really bugger you up yeah. because the body is going to give you signals. Now, if you bypass it, any negativity, mm. oh, I should be positive, you're bypassing the intelligence of the body. Oh, it's just my thinking you're bypassing the intelligence of the body. Well, that's not my true nature. You're bypassing the intelligence of the body. Well, that's not spiritual. That's that's my ego. That's not my true self. Bypassing the body. Mm. So you have to throw away your spiritual books. You need to block your teacher. You have to destroy your spiritual belief systems and you have to come back within yourself. There's an intelligence within the body, the universe inside you that will tell you everything you need to know, has all the wisdom of everything that ever has and ever will be within you. And one of the things we do with our clients is we help them commune within themselves. You don't need a third party. Like if I'm going to go and buy a car and say it's a thousand dollars, I wouldn't go to a car salesman who charges three thousand. I'll skip the middleman. And many people, three principles, non-duality, uh, law of attraction, whatever people follow, it's a little bit like a middleman. Skip the middleman, skip holality, like whatever it is. Go back within yourself. What feels right for you? What makes sense for you? What resonates with you? What is your body telling you? Because a lot of these spiritual things can, I kind of want to cry, it can take you further away from the God within you because it's been so dogmatized and beliefized and 
And then you don't want to listen to anyone because they don't agree with your dogma, even though you don't think it's a dogma. Like there has to be humanness, humility, open-mindedness, being the eternal student. If you can go in that direction, the intelligence of all things within you will communicate with you via your body and you'll know a piece like you've never experienced before. <coughs> anyway, that. that's my rent over. I, I love that. I think it's great. I did a talk recently and I said at the end, I said, you know, no, not, not Sid Banks, not anyone who's been teaching this for 30 years, no one else, not me, you know, have got the answers. Only you have got the answers that, that your own direct experience. And I think yeah. that's um, what you were just talking about. And I think that's a beautiful place to come to an end, you know, that this whole conversation has really been pointing people back inside to listen to themselves and not get caught up in dogmatic or belief ridden views about what's right or the way or the only way, or it's this way or that way. It's like or the only value in any of it is anything that points you back inside to yourself, you know? And I think that's what you just really said in your, in your, your own great way. And like, I want to give you a moment, just talk about like what you're doing and what your training is and things and how people can find you and stuff like that. And, and anything else you want to end up with for sure, feel free to share. Um, so we've written the book, Holality, the missing link to love. And off the back of that, we run facilitator trainings to teach people how to work with other people to embrace their whole beautiful expansive nature including the body and working through their own stuff and we do courses and webinars and, and free stuff but fundamentally when you throw it all away what we're trying to do is bring people back to unconditional love mm. because from that place or space everything makes sense and you kind of remember all that you are and the unconditional love includes the unconditionally loving of all of you all of you the spiky sharp bits like all of it yeah absolutely beautiful Rudy and you want to say anything mm -mm, that was perfect and um I have to say again i I just honoring my wife, Jules here. I've learned so much from Jules. She's kind of been my, 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 my way of breaking my own dogma. So mm. I get emotional and um, taking me back to myself, really. Mm. Like I was so dogmatized innocently. I, I didn't know, but um, she's been a real guiding light for me and I'm, I'm forever thankful. And again, thank you, Jason, for having the bravery to do this, to put this information out there mm -hmm. and to go against um, many other people's belief system and guide people back to themselves. To me, there's nothing greater you can do in life apart from that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.